Before we get into this episode, did you know that Beyond Rockets is a social media marketing agency specializing in helping business owners like yourself navigate social media? To get started today, visit beyondrockets.com and take our social media marketing assessment. Welcome back to the Beyond Rockets podcast. I'm your host, Clark Dunn. The Beyond Rockets podcast is a way for me to showcase and highlight some of the small business owners, entrepreneurs, and talented creatives here in the Rocket City that make Huntsville way more than just a Rocket City. If you're not yet subscribed to the podcast, you can subscribe wherever you listen. You can follow me on YouTube at Beyond Rockets, as well as Instagram at Beyond Rockets to stay up to date with new and exciting things happening in Huntsville, as well as new episodes as they are released. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy With Huntsville continuing to grow and expand, there's so many exciting places for you to live in and around Huntsville. With only a 15-minute commute to downtown Huntsville, the Watson Hampton Cove is the perfect apartment complex for you. They offer amenities that are beyond any other apartment complex in the city. With Hayes Nature Preserve right in your backyard, over 10 miles of walking trails, beautiful mountain views, a large saltwater pool, dog park, dog spa, a 24-hour fitness studio, and so much more. Schedule your tour today and visit their website at livethewatts.com and all this information will be in the episode notes. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond Rockets. Today I sit down to talk with Kyle and Anna Husband, owners of Offbeat Coffee Studio, a local craft coffee shop with a studio location at Campus 805 and a drive through location at Redstone Gateway at Gate 9 of the Arsenal. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, would you like to introduce yourselves and we'll get started there? Oh, uh, Sure, yeah. yeah. My name is Kyle Husband and I'm one of the owners of Offbeat. And I'm Anna Husband, one of the other owners of Offbeat. <laughs> so I had Drew Fanning of Offbeat, I guess, back on the podcast in July of 2019. So that was, I think he was my second guest ever, which is crazy just to see how far time has gone mm-hmm. since then. Because that was, I mean, shortly after y'all opened, I guess, in 2019. If I remember correctly, you have a background in coffee. You kind of worked in some coffee shops prior to Offbeat. But Kyle, you really don't have a background. Can you talk a little bit about what your background both are and kind of what kind of got you at least interested in the idea of owning a coffee shop? Yeah, for sure. So my story goes back a good amount of time. My parents owned two coffee shops on the Arsenal, one at Marshall Space Flight Center and one at Sparkman Center. And so I worked there starting like in my early teens and summer vacations and when I came back from college and stuff. And then they eventually sold it when I was around like 21 years old or something like that. And then I met him around 24, 25 And I am a full-time tattoo artist. And I was like, this is the career path I'm going to go on. And at the time, I was working as a barista because you don't get paid in your apprenticeship. (laughs) So I was trying to make money here and there. And he started hanging out at coffee shops a lot with me when I was working. He's like, I really, really love the coffee scene. Like, this is really cool. And he's always wanted to own his own business. And the idea kind of came hey, let's own a coffee shop, which my parents thought was crazy because they did that for so many years. And like, they're I can't. trying to steer you away from Yeah, it. they're like, like Don't do that. you saw what we went through. Why are you doing this? And I was like, that's cool. I was like, I'll do more of the creative stuff if you'll do day to day because I'm so busy tattooing. And so that kind of came into like his passion for it and his like learning and knowledge. And so that's kind of where the foundation started. And then it was all him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. So before Offbeat, you know, I was in college. I got a business degree and an art degree, and I always knew that I wanted to own my own business. My father, growing up, always owned his own business, and you know, I always looked up to that. And I just never really knew what I wanted that business to be. So when Anna got the job after we met at Honest Coffee, and I started hanging out there all the time, I was like, "Well, I think <laughs> that this is the business that I want to be in." 
And, you know, as you said earlier, Drew is the other owner. We hired him on to kind of be the coffee expert. And I learned a lot from him. And, you know, I guess the rest is history. <laughs> so, I mean, like when I had Drew on 2019, I guess it was shortly after you opened. So when did the, so you have this idea, I mean, it's like a little bit of a backstory, I guess you have this idea. You're like, let's start a coffee shop. Huntsville's coffee scene was way different. I mean, like Honest was oh, yeah. primarily the only one. There might have been Alchemy as well. Yeah, Alchemy, yeah. Alchemy, yeah. Well. Um, so did you see that Huntsville was growing and was like, hey, I could add a different element or a different twist to what there already is? And was it kind of tough to navigate that? Or I guess with the expertise of your parents and working at Honest, you kind of had some mentors to kind of guide you. Yeah, a little bit. Like I would consider my parent shop like a second wave, which is like we're a third wave shop, which means we make our own syrups. We have a little bit more science behind the coffee. We're like second wave is kind of like Starbucks where you can kind of prepackage flavors okay. and like kind of it's a little more, I don't know, commercial. I don't know how to like describe it in that sense. But I was like, I really think that People in Huntsville are starting to catch on, maybe because a bunch of scientists are here, <laughs> are really enjoying to know, like, the process of, like, coffee and, like, making it in different ways than just what we were used to. And I started seeing that at Honest. And so when it came up in conversation that he was so passionate <coughs> about it, that was like, I think this could work. I think this is a good market for this right now. And I had no anticipation <laughs> of how big it was going to become of, like, all these coffee shops. But I think we got it in the right time. Unless pandemic, but I mean, that, <laughs> besides that, it was a good time. Yeah. So, I mean, you opened the doors at Offbeat at, at your studio location at Campus 805 in 2019 or? 2018. 2018. Uh, it was, I think it was, was March 2019. Yeah. March 2019. All I remember is that we had the idea right after we got married because we were crazy. People were like, let's be newlyweds and open a and, business. Oh, 100%. Like, <laughs> there's no better idea, right? Right. <laughs> Just add that in there. No, so, I remember we, we had the LLC and all of that stuff in 2018. And I think we talked about it pretty much all of 2018. And then... It took us like six months longer than expected to get open just because it always takes like six months longer. <laughs> we tell it, every business owner that tack on six more months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it was early 2019 when we finally got the doors open to the public. Yeah, March. Yeah. So you opened the doors in March. Campus 805 was growing at the time and there's more and more things coming. I, get, I mean, some of what's there now wasn't even there when you opened the doors. Did you see what this area could become? And you're like, this is going to be a good place to plant roots. And were you looking at other locations to kind of be offbeat and this place just worked the best? I mean, it's kind of a combination of things. I think I was already at the tattoo shops there. So I was already there seeing it day to day. Yeah. And I could see this foot traffic picking up and I could see that area becoming more popular. This is before Stove House was there, before I think it's called the foundry that they're building. Yes. Up, yeah. So all this stuff wasn't there at all. And Low Mill had been there, which we knew was popular, but I just felt like it was a good location. I felt like it was unique. I felt like it fit us we did look at other spots but i think ultimately that was the one that we're like i think this is the correct traffic and yeah. fit for us and i think me being there as well was really nice so that we could like kind of work together while i was tattooing so it was kind of like a good team effort as far as like being that close yeah what was the success when you opened the doors just overwhelming or did it take a little bit you think to get people to kind of this idea i mean the coffee scene was growing and you were right at the right time but was the success overwhelming right at the out of the bat or did it take a little bit of time for people to kind of catch on to what you were doing differently from other places? So it was pretty interesting with the Campus 805 location. You know, that's known as more of a nighttime locale. You know, it's full of bars, full of restaurants, things like that. There wasn't really anybody that didn't work in an office in the building that was going there in the morning. So we definitely kind of had to train the public to come there in the mornings. That was one of the challenges early on. We used to stay open a lot later. And I think that kind of helped get the word out that we were there and that these people that are coming to drink at night could also come to have a cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah. So it definitely took a little while to get there for sure. 
I started doing some stuff with y'all shortly after you opened, I guess maybe six or eight months after you opened. I, it might have even been in the, like, within your first year of opening. I can't even remember. Uh, it, Pandemic it, yes. years, I'm telling you. It's all a blur. But it's interesting just to see like how things have changed with, like, like you said, it was tough to get people to come there during the day. But now more people are working from home now. And so you kind of have mm-hmm. that people that are coming in pretty early to work there from seven to noon. And that's kind of their day now. And you had to transition. And we'll talk a lot about that because that's, I mean, from 2019 when I had Drew on to now, I mean, a lot's probably, I mean, your business plan has been pivoted and changed multiple times probably mm-hmm. throughout the years. A big thing that happened, I guess, since having Drew on is you opened a second location. What was the idea and the kind of the premise behind opening up the Gate 9 location on the Arsenal? Well, we just really thought having a third wave drive through location in Huntsville would be something kind of new and interesting. And the Gateway, you know, it's right outside of Gate 9 of the Arsenal. It's a growing area. It's, it's growing a lot right now. There's buildings going up all around the shop all the time. And to be able to kind of harness some of that traffic going into gate nine, the people going to work, we just thought that it was a really good spot to put a drive through location with a little bit of a condensed menu from what we're doing in uh, Campus 805. And we always knew we wanted another location and we kind of were simmering on what we wanted to do. And then we saw this availability in this location and we're like, I think this could work. And my parents having that coffee shop in the arsenal, I kind of knew about the traffic that was going through gate nine and what I'd experienced when I worked out there. And I was like, I really think that capturing that clientele on the way in versus having them get to their office, settle for a cup of coffee that's just there at the office break yeah. room is a big difference. Like they'll like, oh, that's a good cup of coffee. And I want to answer like, have a Keurig. Yeah. I mean, because like you opened the doors and you opened the drive through there right before COVID. It was pandemic. It was, like, it was during COVID. It was okay, during because wow. we were trying to push, push, push to get it open quicker because we're like, this is the only way people could come get our coffee at this yeah. point because we were pretty much shut down except for pull-up orders at 805 yeah. location. Yeah, at that time, we were only doing curbside pickup at the Campus 805 location. We weren't even letting people come into the shop at that time. So it was The drive through was important to get open. Yeah, <laughs> it was a big push to get, yeah. to I get mean, that location like, open. I couldn't... So, like, just thinking back, I mean, like, obviously, COVID, like the years kind of all blend together. But you opened the doors in March of 2018, I guess it was, you said, or 2019. 2019. And then you start seeing the growth. You start seeing the people are starting to kind of catch on to what you're doing. And then the pandemic hits. And then that momentum that you've kind of grown is just kind of, how did you mentally kind of work through that? It's one of those tough things because it's just like, you've worked so hard to get this passion project to be a reality. And then you've seen people start catching on to what you're doing. And then this happens. What did you have to do to pivot to kind of recapture that audience that maybe is trapped inside or can't really go out or but still being able to engage them in drive through Because I mean, I know I made my order and I was drive through and I would see y'all hand out. It was just, it was, I was a big, big emphasis that I did because I wanted to make sure that y'all were still around. And so like, what did that look like and how did you navigate that? Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a it crazy was time. <laughs> it was so yeah, hard. It was terrible there for a little while. There were some days, right, when we were first started doing curbside before we got the drive through location up where we'd have $20 in sales for a day or something like that. It was down to- insane. Yeah, it was down to just me, Anna, and Drew working because Anna couldn't work at the tattoo shop because everything was closed down at the time. So she kind of came on and was working full time at the coffee shop with us. And yeah, it was super scary there for a little while. But then we were able to get the drive through location up that really helped us be able to kind of reconnect with the community and serve coffee, what was seen at the time as safely or whatever. And we would do to-go jugs. We would continue to post on social media. We still wanted to have a presence. We had a lot of people like you that would come to the drive through a lot of people buying gift cards. I mean, a lot of people that supported us. I think we occasionally did like a pop-up with Fat Sammy's. They started carrying our cold brew because of that. And like other things where it's like we started making connections with other small businesses to help like 
get all of our names out there because we're like, we need to survive this, you yeah. know? There was a lot of business. I mean, Fat Sammy's included that opened up in the midst of like they were. I remember. I swear, talking it was like with, the yeah. second day everything yeah. shut down. I, I felt. So <laughs> I know. I was talking to Jeremy on the podcast, and it was like they were going around to all these businesses downtown and giving them out flyers, like we're opening tomorrow, we're opening tomorrow, and then like the whole world closes down. I couldn't imagine trying to navigate those two locations, especially because you're getting that second location up off the ground, and you're thinking this. Okay, I see this working. People are seeing the traffic. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. And then there's almost no traffic at all. Mm-hmm. So you, you kind of navigate through those. You're able to figure it out the restrictions get lifted and you're able to kind of start having the employees come back. You're able to start tattooing again. You're able to start kind of getting back to some sort of a normal. When do you think that normal became back to where you were prior to COVID and kind of you saw those numbers look like what you remembered back in 2019? We've said it to each other before. We're like, I think we're normal again. I can't remember when it was, but like. No, and that's interesting because especially with the Gate 9 location, we had traffic reports and and all of that kind of stuff. And we signed that lease before COVID, obviously, if we got open right in the beginning of COVID. And the traffic report wasn't accurate anymore. (laughs) Yeah, 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 the traffic report said that cars were backed up to the 565 interstate every morning for for, for a while. And you're like, yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, no, and that looked great. And, you know, honestly, that has only become the case again in, I would say, the last two months. Wow. That that traffic is at a standstill out in front of the shop again, like it was, you know, in 2019. I'd say studios back about a year, six months to a year. Yeah, yeah. It's been getting back. I'd say we're doing better now than we were pre-COVID. Yeah, we are. Finally. But it took a long time for people to start coming back out to kind of rebuild what we had previously to COVID. All those years just kind of like blend together. So it's hard to like get time frames. But it's also like, wow, it's been three or four years Mm -hmm. since then. And then to see that now your success and the growth that you envisioned to have in year two for the business is having now in year four or five or whatever, which is a wild thing. Do you think, I mean, obviously you would have loved to see the success of the business, what it is now year two. But do you think kind of where the business is and kind of your mindset for the business, having it now is kind of at the at, at a right time for now to grow and, and, and expand and continue to have these new goals for the company? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, having this much more time to, you know, I guess we were kind of stagnant there for a little while has definitely given us time to perfect a lot of things, really fix a lot of things that might not have been going quite right to really give everything a little bit more intentionality. And we have a lot of things on the horizon. We do have some growth planned and I'm excited that it is finally happening. <laughs> Being a small business owner is never an easy thing. And then you add COVID on top of it, it just makes it almost unnavigable. You can't even figure out where you're going. You're just trying to tread water. Looking at the future and kind of like, yes, we're talking in February of 2023. What are some goals you have for the business this year alone that people could expect to potentially see or be announced or kind of what's going on with the business? If you want to share. Yeah, I would say that by the end of the year, we will have a roastery open. So we're okay. starting to roast our own beans very soon. That's not going to be open to the public. That's going to be a private establishment, but we will be roasting our own coffee, selling it in the shop, serving it in the shop, and you know, hopefully serving it in a few other places around town by the end of 2023. Wow. So is the mindset with that is just having something that people can expect to have the same? I know with opening the other location, you wanted to keep that same quality of service to both. The menus are a little different. Is the idea of having your own roast that's on espresso that people can expect to taste, is that the is the whole mindset of just being able to, so if you have a espresso drink at the studio and you have one at the gate nine, they taste the same. Is that kind of the mindset or what is it? I feel like it? that's always our goal, like that we want consistency. Yeah. Well, to be fair though, we do serve different coffees we in do, the two but, different shops at this time. But they're still good. They're just different beans. They're different. Yeah. 
And yeah, so consistency is definitely a goal of Offbeat. It's something that we strive to achieve, and it's a hard thing to achieve. I would say consistency is one of the things that a lot of coffee shops nationwide struggle with. And I think roasting our own beans will definitely add to the consistency, but I also think that there aren't that many roasters in town currently. There are a few, and there's a few good ones, but I think that there is some room in Huntsville to kind of expand that. And I think having us serving coffee that's actually roasted in Huntsville, serving it in Huntsville, I think it just kind of helps create that little bit more local feel to offbeat. Whenever I travel to a new place or go to a new city, I mean, the things you always look for are coffee shops and I look for a lot of breweries. And so like when you have those two options as places to kind of be a staple for the city and you think of, you want to be at an apartment complex, you want to be at a hotel, you want to be at an office building and these people that are coming to Huntsville for the first time to work, that don't really know much, but they see something, a local roasted coffee available at their office. It's like, oh, I wonder where Offbeat is. And you kind of have that spark. It's those subtle things that get people to say, I'm curious where these places are. And then they get connected with the community and they get involved. It's a huge sort of entry point into a lot of opportunities for Offbeat going, going forward beyond just what, I mean, it's tough to look beyond a year. It's tough to even look to three or four or five years but is the goal to have another location for, is to have three locations? Is the goal to be in other cities? Like what is these long-term future goals you have for Offbeat beyond just 2023? Um, um, that's tough. I, mean, I think we have different things. Like, I mean, we all have, both have different dreams, but we haven't really. That is tough. So I think our main goal is once we get this roastery open, we're not going to have a big roaster. And I hope that we end up outgrowing it pretty fast and then kind of upgrading our roastery space and our, the physical roaster itself and possibly opening that up to the public. And that could possibly be a version, a third version of an offbeat location. Yeah, I tell them all the time, one of my dreams is to open up just like a little espresso bar that also like serves just like Prosecco and espresso martinis. <laughs> like I want like a little, like little bar and like a little espresso bar. Like we went to one in Florida a long time ago. That's all they had was coffee and wine. And I was just like something like that, maybe downtown. I don't know. Yeah. That's my little goal. Right. <laughs> We're trying to concentrate on our short-term goals <laughs> at, at the moment. We've obviously got big dreams. And, so, yeah, and long-term long-term goals, offbeat survives forever. It will be 100 years old and our great-grandkids take it over. That's a long-term <laughs> goal. <laughs> Do you find yourself often just trying to like stay on the day-to-day and like just envisioning the long-term goals every once in a while? Or do you find yourself constantly going between the two of like, I want to do this. Well, like we're, I'm right here. Well, I really want to do this, but like we really got to think about what tomorrow looks like. Is it tough to balance that or how do you do that? So like week by week. Yeah, right? no, there's no, there's it, some weeks that they need like Offbeat needs us day to day. Then there's weeks that Offbeat doesn't need us day to day and we can think about big picture things. Yeah, no, it definitely changes with, like she said, week to week or season by season or whatever. Sometimes I'm spending five or six days a week at the coffee shop, in the coffee shop, serving people coffee. And then other times it's, I don't necessarily have to be there on a day-to-day basis. I've got my managers running things pretty smoothly and we can kind of concentrate more on these big overarching themes and, and ideas that we're working towards. Yeah. I mean, there's value in working in the business and on the business. And there's a lot of times being the, that small business owner, you are working in the business a lot. And it is tough to get that on the business because like, you want to work on the business. You want to work on the business model. You want to work on what the future looks like, these long-term investments, these goals, these ambitions for what you want it to accomplish. But you're also like, wait a second, I really got to be there today to serve espresso because someone called out sick. Like you're the first person that they call. Out of all the roles and all that different hats that you both wear as, as a small business owner, owning a coffee shop, what is one hat that you wear now that you knew the least amount when you first started? And how did you develop that skill to be as good as you are today at that? I would say for me, the thing that I knew least about when we first started was probably the coffee aspect of it, (laughs) honestly. 
like I mentioned earlier, you know, I learned a lot from Drew in the beginning and Drew moved to Atlanta about a year ago now. And so I had to kind of take over doing all the training and doing all of that kind of stuff. And I still do the majority of the training for every new barista that comes in. But at the beginning, at the very beginning, I didn't really know much about any of that at all. <laughs> so I would say that's the actual coffee side of thing, the coffee science wow. side of things. I was in the human resources. They call me <laughs> HR. Like I'm the person that the baristas come to talk to. And I had to realize like everybody's a little bit different and I have to like put on like an actual HR face. Like if there's an <laughs> issue, it's like that was a learning curve because I tend to like to be friends with everybody. And I can't be a friend at that moment, but I have to like, that was an interesting learning curve. We're yeah. like, they call us mom and dad. <laughs> And I'm the same age as some of them, so I find it interesting. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't even imagine navigating it. Because, like, it is, like, creating offbeat, it's like creating, your, it's like your baby. Like, this is this entity that you thought of, and you're like, this is going to be something I'm going to bring to Huntsville. This is going to be a great thing to add. And at some point, you have to relinquish roles to people. That's tough. Like, is it constantly, like, an oversight that you're just, like, I kind of always want to have my hand in it? Or have you got the people in place now that you think that you believe that they know what your vision is and you've given that to them and they kind of see what you're wanting to do? Or do you still kind of have a little touch in everything? I would say we've got a really good team in place right now. I've got really good managers. I've got really good baristas. I am able to be a lot more hands-off than I have been historically since we opened more recently. And that's been really nice. Like we were saying earlier, it gives me a little bit of time to kind of work on the future and work on the bigger ideas. But, you know, I still like to go in there and taste the coffee and make sure that everything is up to the standards that we set. And so, you know, I feel like as the business owner, I can't be too hands off because then <laughs> what's going to happen? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to find out. <laughs> <laughs> but, I was going to say, I can't keep my hands out of the art stuff or like the decor stuff. I have to learn to step back a little bit from that sometimes and let like other ideas come. But I just have a hard time because that's like the thing I still keep my hand in. Like always, I, I do the t-shirt designs. I do the stickers. Like I did the interior design. I did the logo. I did all these things. And it's like, okay, like Anna, you can have other people's ideas. It's good. <laughs> but I still enjoy doing it. I, I will say, especially with our current team, it has been kind of nice being able to relinquish some of that control and hear some of their ideas and and use some of their ideas and Really, I feel like it's become more of a group effort in the recent time in the last year or so than it was in the beginning. And I feel like that's a, a really good thing because, you know, it's always good to have multiple perspectives and on, on what's going on and what needs to happen. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, we have a really great team right now. Yeah, I mean, looking at, this, at the coffee scene in general, from when you first opened the doors to the studio location to opening the doors at the gateway to where it is now and where it's going to be. Like, what sort of trajectory do you see it on? And what kind of, what do you hope the coffee scene is able to do in Huntsville? And what do you hope that Offbeat is able to do for that coffee scene here in Huntsville? Ooh, I mean, I would like to see a lot more focus on third wave coffee versus people going to Starbucks. I have nothing against it. We drink it if we're on the road. Like, it's not an issue. I just <laughs> want people's first choice to be a local business. Yeah. I would love to, like, see, like, everybody's mindset pivot that way instead of, like, the convenience of Starbucks because I want to be like, we have convenience too. We have that drive through. Yeah. Like we, you know, most coffee shops are pretty quick as far as speed these days. I mean, that's what I would hope. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's an interesting question. The, the coffee scene in Huntsville has grown so much since we got open that I don't know what the future holds for us. I would never have thought four years ago that Huntsville could even support this as many, many coffee shops <laughs> as we have now, but they obviously are. And I yeah. love that. Yeah, like she was saying, I just really want people to realize that local is always an option, whether you want something fast or you want to go sit down somewhere. Like if people would just concentrate a little bit more on local coffee rather than, you know, some of these other chains, I think that would be uh, be great. 
it's interesting to me just like being involved with a lot of local stuff that I am. Like I know of a lot of things that are going on. I try to keep my ear to the ground and just be aware. But there's still so many people that just don't know. Do you think that the offering, the having your own bean and having your own roastery kind of gets you into that door, into that window of maybe into a office building wanting to have their team have their coffee for three or four or five stories of just all these people that are working that maybe are really tunnel vision in the sense that they just know what they know. They don't really expand out too much, getting them aware of like, hey, we're here. Is that also a big part of just getting people aware of like, hey, there is local coffee here is getting in that roastery? Uh, yeah, no. So you pretty much hit the nail on the head with, yeah. with all of that comment. That is kind of our plans in the beginnings of the roastery is, you know, once we are making the coffee that we're actually serving is to actually try to get into some of these bigger office buildings for that exact reason. You know, like you said, people know what they know and we're a transplant city. So when people come here, all they know is the coffee shops that they have back at home and and the ones that we have that they also had are probably, you know, the Starbucks and the Dunkin' Donuts and the places like that. So I think definitely having them drink our coffee at work or being exposed to our coffee when they first get here, if they're moving here for work is definitely key in getting that awareness out there that we're around, we serve good coffee and you should come check us out. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and this was actually one of the lessons we learned. You're trying to teach people to change their habits, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a very challenging thing to do, like, especially with a morning routine or afternoon routine, especially with drinks or whatever. And it's, that's what we'd be doing. It's like, I know that those office admin go order bulk from the same thing because of the convenience and it's good coffee and blah, 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 blah. So if we can somehow make it just as convenient and be a local business, that's what our goal is to get into those spaces. Cause like, I get it. Like we're all creatures of comfort, right? So I think, that's our end goal is to be accessible to them. Yeah, I talked with a local owner, a restaurant owner in town, and they're getting into catering, and they're just wanted them to be a priority. Like people that restaurant or offices that cater, they choose the same four places mm-hmm. to cater. There's a lot of small business owners that have their own one restaurant that would offer catering. They just aren't aware of it, or it's tougher for them to make it as convenient. And so working through all the different avenues of ordering, the avenues of delivery, the avenues of whatever it might be to make it as easy for them. So that Boeing or that Adtran or that Blue Origin says, you know, let's order food from Mason Dixon. Let's order food from wherever for our lunch party rather than ordering it from you name it. And so I think it is that convenience. It is that creature of habit. And it's just making local stuff, local coffee front and center. And that's the biggest goal. Are you constantly trying to figure out new and innovative ways to do it? And is there any ways that you've tried that you're like, this is going to be the way that I'm going to get people to come in and it just did not work? Man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, changing someone's pattern is that's difficult. And I'm, I'm trying to think of all the things we did. Like I know with the 805 location, because it's right next to governors, we're like, oh my God, everybody's going to stop in the morning for coffee. But, you know, and we would try to capture that, but like, ultimately that's not what they wanted to do at first. And so we would have to like post at certain times in the morning, or we would have to draw attention to like our, like morning, that's what we're about morning traffic where we've had to build it up because we just assumed, oh, of course they're going to stop. Mm, they see course. us. We're right there. But I mean, I'm trying to think other patterns. It was a lot of social media. Oh. It was a lot of events. Like we had all those pop-ups. Yeah, classes for the public. I mean, there's a lot of things that we've thrown at the wall that, that haven't stuck. Like, <laughs> you know, during COVID, we were doing, you know, like ice latte jugs. And we saw a few other people in other cities and stuff doing that. And it was working really well for them. So we were like, all right, well, let, let's try that out. And, you know, that failed pretty spectacularly. I we, don't understand because I love to have an iced coffee jug at home. <laughs> <laughs> like this, like, like, I want an iced I'll latte jug at home. Yeah. <laughs> Can I be your only customer and make this work? Maybe exactly, not. Right. <laughs> Maybe not. But the cold brew did well. So that's the funny thing is like the jugs worked for cold brew, but not for latte. I don't know. It was. 
Yeah, it's definitely it a was, lot of it's a lot of trial and error to try to get all this stuff figured out for sure. Our food menu rotating, like what people, what food do they like the most? And I mean, yeah, it's constantly. It was a lot of stuff like that. Now I feel settled in our menu, and yeah, I mean, we've still got changes coming though. Yeah, <laughs> always, I'm sure. always, always. So, looking at this journey you've had with Offbeat over the last few years. Do you envision and do you think that your success right now is because you were in the right place at the right time? Or do you think it was because of your hard work along the way that got you to where you are today? I mean, I definitely think it's a little bit of both. You know, at the time, there weren't as many coffee shops. There was only two third, quote unquote, third wave shops in town. And I think we kind of- Timing was right there. Yeah, yeah. we kind of got in early in the the coffee scene, in the third wave coffee scene in in Huntsville. And I definitely think that helped. But, you know, we also uh, were pretty meticulous about our quality control. And we try to serve uh, some of the best coffee that you can get around. And I really think it takes people a little while to realize that. It's all like, it kind of goes back to that consistency that we're talking about until you can prove consistency to your- customers why would they change their pattern right, right i yeah. think it's all about that like it's like what we're just about like if you're consistent and you continually i'm always going to get this cup of coffee at offbeat then of course i'll change my morning routine yeah. and stop here and i think that was where our hard work had to come in like i think we were lucky that our timing but i still feel like it was like us constantly making sure that consistency was good making sure that people had a good experience and you know you can't make everybody happy but i think we worked really hard on that and we have a really good team i feel like we consistently have a good team you yeah. Being in the right place, it's like if you're not going to be able to capitalize on the, that timing unless you've had the hard work along the mm-hmm. way. And then that timing is not going to be the best it could possibly be unless you have worked hard and you continue to work hard. And I continue to see that with y'all. I mean, I can like the, the success of, of the studio, I mean, it's hard to go by there in, in the mornings and not be full. I go there to do work and I'm like, I used to always sit right here. Like, why can't I sit right here? And like, this is my seat. Like, doesn't people not know this? And so it's it's just crazy just to see. And I continue to think like the more and more people that are coming in looking for local coffee shops will continue to grow the success of Offbeat for years and years to come. If anyone's listening right now and they want to connect with you, they want to support you in what you're doing, they want to visit Offbeat, they want to visit either of the locations, both locations, where can they find out more information? So on Instagram is where we put out the vast majority of our information at Offbeat Coffee Studio on Instagram. As far as the physical locations, we have one at Campus 805 on Clinton Avenue, and it is right next to Straight to Ale Brewing. And then the other gateway location is located on, it's Research Park, but uh, technically it's right out road right there in front of where Offbeat is, but it is before you get to the gate. Of I want to reiterate that you will yeah. not end up on the arsenal. Yeah, yeah it before is, you I get promise, to the gate. <laughs> before the gate, you're going to be fine, I promise. Yeah, it is open to the public. You do not have to go into <laughs> the arsenal. We get that question a lot. Yes. You do not have to go to the, onto the arsenal to get there. It's right there in the front of the office park on the right in a little converted shipping container with a giant offbeat coffee sign on it. That's how you can come and check us out. Street location to come. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. It's fun to hear a little bit about the story of Offbeat from y'all's perspective versus Drew's perspective. I continue to look forward to the success that Offbeat will have in Huntsville for years to come. Super excited for the roastery this year and continue expansion on that. And we'll have you on again in a couple of years to see what all, what all has changed. So thank you so much for being here. Cool. Yeah, thank of course. you. Clark. Thank you. or even like I really am okay with living in an apartment. I don't have to do maintenance. I don't have to do yard work. I don't have to do any of this. And they have a really well-paying job that kind of offers those amenities. And you're offering this location that has everything in one stop. 
and they're five minutes from their office in Research Park. Exactly. And I think yeah. that's kind of that. Like a lot of them are very much just don't want to go. Like they like entertainment, but don't want to be inconvenienced by having to go to entertainment. Right. And living in the entertainment district like Mid City, you don't really feel like you're leaving to go there. It feels like it's just part of the neighborhood. And think about it. If you were moving to a new city, what's the very first thing for a job? If you were moving to a new city for a new job, what's the very first thing that you would look for for a place to live? I'm going to look for somewhere that's close to where I work, Mm -hmm. you know, map where my (laughs) office is and try to find something that's close to my job that is also close to some great things that I can walk to. So I feel like Mid-City is going to really provide that for people who are moving to Huntsville for all these jobs that we've recruited here. Yeah. I mean, with this over almost six years of working for RCP, when you never thought you would want to stay, you always thought this is going to be a sort of a temporary thing and you were going to be leaving. There's been so many different iterations of Mid-City. I mean, even in the last few months of us, we're talking in February, into February right now, you've had a $110 million development called the Anthem House that's coming an extra 600 units, I guess, is, is what that is, or even maybe even more. That's part of the 600. That's part of yeah, the 600. So we just announced Anthem House and Wellery, which are two more apartment buildings at Mid-City. We've got 600 that are coming. So the last two years, honestly, have been like the years <laughs> of apartments, right? Really? I've been really heavy because we've got those at Mid-City, but we also have this project downtown, City Center, which is where the yes. AC Hotel is. So we just opened 300 units at there called Eclipse. Mm-hmm. And then we're building another 300 units that we've been designing for the last two years there. So all together, I don't even want to do the math right there, but so many, so many apartments apartments, like um, that we've been working on. So now that those are under construction, we're now working on the hotels. So this year is going to be the year of hotels for (laughs) Mid-City. So we've got four different hotels that we're designing right now that are hopefully, I mean, a couple of them are going to start construction this year, a couple of them probably next year. We're also designing our first two office buildings. So we're going to have people working on site in the next year. Goal. It's always been the goal. goal. Yeah. (laughs) Our office is actually going to move to mid city this year. So it'll be really cool to just be on site and be able to like walk and get lunch somewhere and have everything right there. So I'm excited for the things that we're working on right now because there's a bunch of beautiful buildings and some great new restaurants and retailers that we've been talking to that are all going to come there. It's hard for me to imagine on the outside it becoming bigger and better than what it already is. Like, I feel like it's done so much for the city that it's like, okay, like, oh, good man. to go. It's only, and then, it's only and like... Then, and we barely even scratched the surface. Barely scratched the surface. Which is just, it's amazing to see. I mean, thinking of like, I mean, there's a lot of things that we've talked about of like what the future looks like. These new developments that you're doing. Apartments are a big thing. Hotels, the uh, office buildings, restaurants, all sorts of different stuff. Blue Oak Barbecue out of New Orleans coming. Thinking about what this year looks like for 2023, what is one thing that you're the most excited about coming here? Either if it's an announcement that's coming soon, if it's something that's already been announced, what are you the most excited to see happening at MidCity? Oh, this is a loaded question. (laughs) It's just really cool to see that how people have adopted MidCity in the camp in the last five years, right? Because I started when it was literally (laughs) just flat, red dirt and the camp was not even a quarter of what it is today we've really built that place up in the last five years so i'm really grateful to have seen what has happened 
And this year, I feel like the restaurants that are coming out, like Blue Oak that you mentioned, I'm really excited yeah. for them. They have a cult following yes. in New Orleans. It's like they're only their second location, this right? Is their second location. Yeah. They were actually on their way to check out Nashville for their second location. And they stopped in Huntsville. And they stopped in Huntsville through our hospitality partners. <laughs> and, and the rest was history. And the rest was history. And they were really excited about being here too. The response has been awesome. So that's going to be great. I'm really excited to have places in mid-city where people can hang out before and after shows the amphitheater. Yeah. I think that is really crucial. And that was one of the ideas of having the amphitheater at mid-city in the first place was to give the days of, and I think Ryan mentioned this in his interview with you, but the days of like having people drive to a show and watch the show and then get in their cars and drive home, that's got to end, oh, yeah. right? So we want to keep people, we want to bring them here, like go on a nice walk around the park, go shopping, grab dinner, whatever, go to a show and then hang out afterwards. Yeah. And even with the hotels coming, it's like, hey, you you can make a whole weekend out of this. Whole weekend out of it. You could have a staycation. You could stay at the hotels that are right near the amphitheater. You could go to the show. You could go to Topgolf. You go to REI. You could go to this park. You go to that park. You could go whatever. You could look at a new apartment building yeah. if you wanted to move. Like you could do it all right there, which is just, it's amazing, amazing to see. I mean, this journey is something that you definitely could never have imagined. Definitely You would have been one back in Huntsville to doing this job that you absolutely love. And is there any desire now to ever leave Huntsville? Or do you think that you've adopted this Huntsville culture again, that you're like, I'm more excited than ever to what Huntsville is going to become and is becoming? It goes back and forth because I do love what I do and I love being here. I really want to go get inspiration from other places, right? Yeah. So I kind of started this job right out of college, except for that one year internship that mm -hmm. I did in Chicago. And everything that we do, everything that we are building is always inspiration from other places. So I do get to travel a lot, which yeah. is awesome. So then I can bring the things that like I saw that were inspiring from my travels back to Huntsville and say, oh, well, I went to this co-working space in D.C. and it was awesome. So maybe we should like think about that in yeah. one of our projects. I think as my career grows, I would love to be able to like work in a larger market and see how other developers work yeah. and then come back and bring that experience here. But for now, I love <laughs> what I do. And I mean, there's plenty of work to do here. Yes. You know, there's always like something that like we're looking forward to. Yeah. So for a while it was getting Trader Joe's announced and then getting the amphitheater announced and then getting Trader Joe's open <laughs> and then getting the amphitheater open and then getting the projects, the apartments started and now they're opening and you know there's always like something yeah. like a goal or dream that we're always looking forward to mm -hmm. and like right now we're designing a lot of buildings at mid-city like i think i've got like gosh 20 something projects wow. um <laughs> at a time that are just in all different phases of the process but one of the larger projects that we're working on is called sanderson yards okay which we haven't really like talked about publicly yet but we're building this area right outside the amphitheater called Sanderson Yards, which is where Sanderson Road is that okay. road out there. That's going to be the 2 a.m. zone of Mid-City that's going to have like bars and restaurants lined down the road. Oh. If you've been to Nashville for a show at the Ascend, like that's your Broadway outside yeah, of the Ascend. 100%. Or Clark Street outside of Wrigley Field or the Braves Stadium. What is it called? Um, Turner no, no is it, what is it the wherever the brave stadium yes. is i forget the name of it right now <laughs> but that's going to be like the area that people come and hang out before and after or maybe if they don't have a ticket to the show like that's the place to be wow that's um, awesome so i'm really excited about that we're talking to a lot of i mean another really big perk of my job is that we get to go to all of these different restaurants <laughs> and we try out restaurants that's amazing like, 
having to try out restaurants for a living is not yeah. that bad. Uh, where do I sign up for this job? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So we go and like we're constantly talking to different restaurateurs and chefs and operators about what we're doing in Huntsville and encouraging them to bring either like a second concept to Huntsville or expand their concept. Wow. Because we're trying to like limit the national, you know, chains and the ones that have like a lot of places because we want your experience at Mid-City to be like one of one. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking to restaurants, it's the more of those like original concepts and Huntsville doesn't really have like Birmingham has like a really yes. old food scene, 100%. you know, like lots of legacy families that run the restaurant scene there. Huntsville doesn't really have that. Yeah. So you have to import it because I think like, well, it's a crazy stat. It was like 60% of Madison County is not even from the state of Alabama. <laughs> so you got to import it. And that's what we're heavily working on right now is constantly going to like Nashville, Chattanooga, Atlanta, Birmingham and making connections with food groups that we want to bring to Huntsville. It's an incredible thing just to see this journey that Mid-City has had that you've had with RCP companies. I mean, working your way through over the last six, almost six years of kind of seeing your success grow there, you being more involved with big, huge projects that are just like, I just couldn't even imagine meeting all these people, going to all these different places. How much of your success at RCP do you think was just being in the right place at the right time versus how much of it do you think was geared towards your hard work? I think it was definitely the right place at the right time because it was not like I was seeking this job out, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of fell into my lap. Big shout out to my boss, Max, because <laughs> he has really invested in me and my personal and professional development in that way because... I mean, he knew that I had zero real estate development experience <laughs> when he hired me. That's how I kind of transitioned from marketing consultant to project coordinator was when he hired me on full time. He was like, OK, you're going to start working on the development side with me. And I was like, I don't, I don't know the first thing there's to know <laughs> about building a building. And he was like, well, you'll learn. Yeah. So I think I was hired off my soft skills. I am a hard worker. I'm a great communicator. I feel like I'm a very like personal, <laughs> I, like, I think so, you know, I get along with a lot of people. I'm very personable. We're a really great tag team when we're pitching the project because he's speaking on it as a, he's a seasoned real estate developer. And then I am the demographic that we are trying to recruit to Huntsville. 100%. So our story and like the way that we go about like pitching Huntsville and then pitching mid city, we do a good job doing it. <laughs> and it seems to work. I don't think Mid-City's slowing down anytime <laughs> soon. Not slowing down. And if anything, is ramping up real quick. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much uh, for sitting down and talking to me for the last 46 plus minutes now. It's been great Thanks learning more me. about your story and kind of your story with RCP, your story about being in Huntsville and being a native here. I continue to look forward to the success that Mid-City will have in Huntsville for years to come. Continue to look forward to your success with RCP and any endeavors that you continue to do in your career. But thank you so much for being here, and I look forward to this, just what the future holds. Thanks for having me, Clark. It's been great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond Rockets. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and on YouTube at Beyond Rockets. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Beyond Rockets to stay up to date with new episodes as they are released. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed.